Welcome to Hillside Baptist Church Podcast. We are a church that is committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our privilege to open God's word with you. It is our prayer that you receive the message from the man of God with an open heart. That through God's word, you are encouraged and equipped to face life's challenges. But most importantly, it is our prayer that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior if you haven't already. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at hillsidebc.com, find us on Facebook, or send us an email at info at hillsidebc.com. We hope that you benefit from today's message and that you would share it with a friend. But let's now open our hearts and God's Word. Well, Luke chapter 7, if you'll turn there with me tonight, uh, we're going to look here at this passage, and I promise not to be long, just a couple of points, and, and we're going to, I just, just uh, I know that tonight, if you're here, it's because you love Jesus, amen? Or because you're serving the Lord's Supper and pastor asked you to come, one or the other, I'm not sure which. But this is the reality is that uh, we love our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is our friend, He is our companion, and in February, uh, we are reminded of the love of God, and one of the, uh, as we think about our theme for the year, is simply know Him, and part of the aspect of God is God is love. Aren't you thankful that our God's not a, a bench, uh, an, an angry God who hates us, but instead, He is a God of love and desires uh, to restore us to Him. And so, uh, you know, as I thought about tonight, I, I knew that tonight... Uh, the, this is an act of love even being here as we observe the Lord's Supper. It is an act of love as we remember all that Jesus has done for us. But even still, uh, the second thought that entered my, my, my mind for tonight was, don't be long-winded. They want to at least catch the end of the game. Amen? So I won't be long tonight. But let's look at the rival, Luke chapter 7. We're going to be introduced to a couple of groups of people. We're going to see Jesus. We're going to see a woman uh, who was called a sinner in, our, in the text. And then we're going to find the Pharisees. And we're going to see their response to Jesus uh, in this account. We're going to read verses 36 through verse 50. Let's look in verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And when it, uh, he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet and behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with his tears, and had wiped them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointments. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Now remember, that was all in his mind, what he was thinking in his heart. But Jesus answered even his thoughts. Isn't he a wonderfully omniscient God? He said, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, the one old 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore which of them will love him most. And Simon answered and said, Well, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thy house. Thou gavest, thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss even my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. 
Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, this same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he saith unto the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Now let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful recounting of this beautiful story of a woman who loved Jesus Christ, that we might have, Lord, this kind of passionate love. So draw us close to you this evening, and though our time is limited, we just pray that, Father... You would help our, our heart, our love for Christ to be kindled anew. In Jesus' name, amen. As we come to Luke chapter 7, I, I just, there's this, this story as I thought about all that the Lord has done for us and the reality that God wants us to love Him above everything else. I saw this woman's life, and, and as I looked at her life, I couldn't help but there's a couple of things about her that, uh, that definitely speak into our lives. And, and I don't have time tonight to go into all the nuances of the story, and, uh, but there's a few things I just want to draw out from the text this evening. And so uh, if it's not uh, a great lengthy message, you'll probably thank me later, uh, but, uh, or maybe tonight, I don't know. But this is what I know. Verse 36, as we begin to look at this, we see a Pharisee had desired for Jesus to enter into his home. Now, we know the Pharisees were antagonistic. They weren't always the most friendly with Jesus. And then at the same time, we are introduced to this woman. Now, there's a couple of things about her, because we're just going to focus on her tonight, uh, because we see about her life, the first thing is she loved Jesus. I would say that if you looked at this story, you would see that above everything else, this woman loved Jesus Christ. She, she loved Him from the moment He entered into that room. I would dare say that she loved Him before she, He entered that room, and she continued to love Him until the day that she died. Now, Luke doesn't give us all the backstory of this, and we can speculate as to who she might have been. Luke doesn't even give us the name. But none of those things are important as we see a couple of things. First off, her love drew her to Jesus Christ. Listen, when we love somebody, it draws us to them, doesn't it? And, and I think about uh, if it's the love of a husband for a wife or a wife for a husband, it draws us closer together. But in this woman, it drew her to Jesus. Now, there were some obstacles in coming to Christ in this because first off, we know that she entered into the house of a Pharisee. Now, Pharisees were obviously very pious, uh, very, uh, very much proud and arrogant. And we see that even in the way they treated Jesus. It wasn't as if He was inviting Jesus to be able to demonstrate kindness and love. Even Jesus later in this, He says in verse number 44, I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with her tears. Listen, He know what He said? You didn't even offer me the most basic and simple gestures of grace. But this woman, she did. You see, Luke mentions the Pharisees 28 times, and almost every single time they are hostile to Jesus. But this woman, she was not hostile, was she? She loved Jesus Christ. The Pharisees' hostility was seen in the fact that they offered no kindness to Jesus. In an oriental house, the host generally offered the guests many courtesies. We heard that testified even tonight in the 21st century, how that uh, Sadie was not allowed even to help offer help 
in the kitchen at any, in any way. Why? Because she's considered a guest, and so they want to serve that guest. But there wasn't even this type of mentality with this Pharisee. Why? Because he had no love, he had no respect for Jesus Christ. There was no one to wash his feet, there was no one to care for him. And you've got to remember, it's not like we sat at a table and, and then they stuck their feet underneath a table where nobody would smell them. Instead, they sat on, uh, on their hind end on the floor, on, the, uh, on typically pillows, and their feet would be cast out to the side. They would lean on, the left, on their left elbow at the table while they ate with their right. And so whoever was immediately to the right would be blessed with whatever was not washed off. And so you kind of get the point here. But this woman, she loved Jesus enough to play the role of the servant. And we'll get to that in a moment. But what did she have to overcome in order to love Jesus? Remember, her name was tainted. Look in verse number 38. Uh, excuse me, verse number 37. And behold, a woman in the city which was a, what does it say she was? A sinner. Now, obviously, that, uh, Luke doesn't go into details as to what that was, but we can infer what, what, uh, and probably guess as to what that sin was. She was known as a woman who was a sinner, which means that she was probably someone, uh, a woman of the night. Perhaps she was the woman who was caught in adultery and they had intended to throw stones at her. We don't know who she was. But this is what we do know. She loved Christ. She had a reputation of being a sinner and she boldly entered into the house of a Pharisee. She entered into a place where she wouldn't be welcomed. She entered into a place where she could be uh, 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 scorned and there would be contempt thrown at her. But instead... She entered into this home with boldness because of her love for Jesus. But she didn't come empty-handed. She came with a purpose to worship. She brought an alabaster box and this ointment, and she poured it upon the feet of Jesus Christ. She gave Christ an offering of all that she had. Remember David when he was prepared to make a sacrifice at the, I think it was the end of 1 Kings, and as he comes in, he wanted to build an altar, but he said, I will not sacrifice with something that cost me nothing. And she brought what she had, and that was this alabaster. Oh, I'm telling you. She endured this, the, the shame. She endured the scoffing because she loved Christ. Her love drew her no matter the difficulties she faced. In all likelihood, she had already met Jesus. In all likelihood, she had already had her heart changed because of what Christ had done in her, in her heart and her life. And now she stands before Him. She kneels before Him in this posture of a servant and she loves on her Savior. Johann Sebastian Bach, his first biographer, Forkel, tells of uh, Mr. Bach's uh, dis, uh, a story of his life where he discovered his brother had a music cabinet and in that cabinet was a special book of compositions of some of the most established com composers of that day. There was uh, many ones like Baum and uh, others that I can't pronounce. You'll have to forgive me. 
But listen, he wanted to borrow this book, Johann Sebastian Bach. He wanted to borrow the book from his brother, but his brother would not let him have it. He absolutely refused. And so uh, as a result of that, what he started to do in the evening, he would go in and he would steal away into this cabinet and he would hand by, uh, by line by line, each note by note, and he would copy by hand this music into his own. And he wanted this music so badly. And so he would creep down, creep down in, the, in the evening, in the middle of the night, when everyone else was asleep, and he would he would copy this uh, uh, line by line. And it was found out by his brother what he had done after he'd finished it. And it took him six months to finish this music. And when his brother found out, he took the book and he kept it and he never gave it to him until his brother died. And finally, Johann Sebastian Bach got the book back. It was another quarter century before he received this music. You see, that kind of desire that took uh, Johann Sebastian Bach out, up out of his bed in the middle of the night to copy down music so he could learn this music, so he could have it for his own, that same kind of love and desire is a kind of love and desire that God wants us to have for Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. It draws us, if you will. It impels us because we are thus judged that if one died for all, then we're all dead. You see, when we come to Christ, His love seizes our life. It captures our attention and nothing could keep us from Him. Amen. Not even the Super Bowl. Second, the second thing, His love demands of us. Listen, and what I mean by this is, is that it, it's not a demand as it, it makes demands uh, as, a, as in a servant, but it le- rather as in a heart full of love makes a demand that we draw close to the one that we adore. Think about this, often, uh, oftentimes over the years, uh, my love for my wife has demanded that I demonstrate that, whether that's a love note, whether that's flowers, whether that's a Snickers bar, or whatever it may be, or Dr. Pepper, you know, those little things can mean a lot to her. And so I thought, man, I just, it just demands, not because I am a, uh, a slave to her, but because I love her. There's three things I want to share with you very quickly that our love for Jesus Christ demands of us. And we see this in her life, and that's first and foremost the spirit of humility. We already recounted for you, and I'm not going to go into great detail there, but we see her humility when uh, she took that role uh, and responsibility of as a servant. She didn't piously sit back in, in like the Pharisees and debate with Jesus Christ. Instead, she bowed on her knees reverently as she worshipped at His feet. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. She wasn't worried about remarks from the Pharisees. She was simply worried about Jesus Christ. And that love caused her to be humbled. And no doubt she faced the steering and the remarks and all of those things that go on. But listen, may we be willing, like this woman, to set aside our concerns and worries about what other people think and simply worship the Lord. This is the response of David and, and his great love for God. And, and, and we see him and his excitement dancing before the Lord. He set aside his, his kingly garments and he just simply had that linen garment on and he danced before the Lord. And the Bible says in 2 Samuel 6, 14 and 15, And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And you know, he faced scorning from his own wife as a result of that. May we be willing to say, Lord, I'm willing to humble myself in gratitude and praise and worship. Secondly, we see this need. She was grateful. She had a grateful heart for what Christ had done. This, her love demanded that she demonstrate that attitude of gratitude. 
You know, honestly, we can be, often be guilty of ingratitude. There's a human tendency that is growing in, our, in a generation ahead of us, and they're being indoctrinated. Instead of uh, having an idea of gratitude, they have an idea of being entitled. But this is not new. When Christ was here, He healed ten lepers. Remember this? In Luke 17, verses 15 and 16, and it says, only one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down at his, on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. Listen, there was only one out of ten that, that gave uh, gratitude to Christ. Warren Wiersbe illustrated this problem in, in his commentary on the book of Colossians, and he told about a ministerial student in Illinois who was a part of a life-saving squad. In 1860, a ship went aground on the shore of Lake Michigan near Eviston, and Edward Spencer waited again and again and again into the frigid waters to rescue 17 passengers. In the process, his health was permanently damaged, and some years later at his funeral, it was noted that not one of the people he rescued ever told him thank you. You see, this woman was not part of this crowd of ingratitude. She willingly brought her spirit of gratefulness to Jesus. We see that when she wept on His feet. We see that when she used her own hair to dry His feet. She poured out her love to Jesus. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything, church, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Finally, we see this love demanded of her servanthood. And I've touched on this already. We see her love drove her to humble herself, to demonstrate her thankful heart. And she came with a desire simply to serve Christ. And we, we often see the call to serve Christ. Sometimes we, we serve from duty. Sometimes we serve from debt. But she served because she loved Jesus. The great violinist uh, Niccolo Pangini willed his wonderful violin that he had played to the city of Genoa on the one, one condition, that it would never be played again. Kind of a selfish will, I guess. But the, unfortunately, the, will, the wood of an instrument like that is meant to be handled. It's meant to be used. And, and when you use it on a regular basis, the wood of a violin says, uh, it uses the oil of your hands and it stays, stays very limber and very, uh, very, uh, it doesn't decay very quickly. And because no one was able to touch it or hold it or play it, soon this beautiful violin uh, was became worm-eaten and it, uh, and it really uh, began to rot away. Listen, this is very reminiscent of our own life. You see, God doesn't want us to sit on a shelf and to collect dust, but He calls us to be uh, men and women of service. He calls us to be useful for Jesus. The Bible says in Colossians 3.23, And whatsoever you do, do heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the, great, the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he had done, and there is no respect of persons. How are you serving the Lord? Tonight as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, we've sung, Oh, How I Love Jesus. We're reminded of the sacrifices of our wonderful Savior. We've seen the love of a wretched sinner. And I want to ask you too, maybe you tonight are in the same place as her. Maybe you're in just a desperate need of Jesus. You need to come once again and renew your love for Jesus and devotion to Him. And tonight as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, there's a couple of things that we need to make sure we deal with this evening. One, if you don't know Christ your Savior, would you please, please come and settle that this evening. Secondly, Christian... If there's something between your soul and the Savior, would you deal with that tonight? 
Would you make sure there's nothing that separates you and Christ? Would you make sure that you're ready to receive uh, the Lord's Supper with, a, with uh, nothing that would hinder you from a right spirit with Christ? And so I'm going to invite our instrumentalists. I'm going to invite Brother Greg. They're going to lead us in a song of invitation. And let me just remind you that God invites you to come close to Him. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a privilege to share God's Word with you. If God has spoken to your heart because of the message, stop right now and respond to whatever it is God is asking of you. Don't wait another minute. You can pray right where you're at and ask God for His help. If this message has helped you in any way, we would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions or we can help you with your decision. Jesus asked his disciples, Who do ye say that I am? And he offers the same question to you today. What would your answer be?